Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Normally, our guy Pete Sweeney joins us on Friday, and I think he still will. But it's playoff week, which means why not a little bit more Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride kind enough to call into the show during the Chiefs Red Half Hour today. And I, I don't know about you, Sweeney, when we are looking at this weekend, I can't wait. And this is, in a weird way, kind of what I wanted. Patrick Mahomes, villain role, underdog, going to Buffalo where the Bills have been saying, hey, wait till you have to play us finally in the postseason. I kind of love this, and I kind of feel good about the Chiefs' chances. Yeah, I wrote uh, about this in our newsletter, Arrowhead Pride Premier, um, which you can get uh, now, free trial, all that, yada, yada. But uh, Patrick Mahomes is just uh, six, seven months removed from that conversation with Nate Burleson where he essentially said that there's an aspect to him that he enjoys uh, the villain role. And I don't know mm-hmm. if he would ever go on record and say that he enjoys it more, but the statistics kind of tell us that, that he Performs better on the road. He's got more touchdowns on the road, more yards on the road. His completion percentage is better. His passer rating is better. And so you don't get to see it a lot in the postseason. Um, you saw maybe once if you consider that COVID Super Bowl in Tampa, a road game, kind of an odd situation there. But, uh, yeah, first opportunity uh, to end another team season on, on their home field. Yeah, when you look at where the, the Chiefs are at as a team, and I know we've talked with you over the last really couple months about – you know, what this offense could be, what they were. And, and don't you feel like they're finally since that Cincinnati game and maybe because it was crunch time and you were starting to kind of really get concerned about where their playoff standing was if you were the Chiefs organization, but recognizing who they are in 2023, now 2024, versus trying to be the team offensively that they were in 2022, realizing it's okay maybe not to be the flashy, sexy offense that – you know what? You got a hell of a defense. Why not play to it a little bit more and, and be who you are offensively this year? Yeah, I think there was a, a, an understanding of that right at the end uh, of the season. I mean, it really took 16, 17 weeks for them, I think, to admit, look themselves in the mirror and say, you know, maybe we aren't that high-powered offense this year, but maybe that's okay, right? Because you're not really judged on championships on whether or not you have a high-powered offense. It comes down to whether or not you win the football game. And I think they've understood – that we can win games if our offense does enough and our defense um, you know, lays the hammer and we don't put our defense in a bad position. And these games in, in which the Chiefs lost or things got dicey and then, then they managed to win, it's always been mistakes. It's always been putting the defense at the 20-yard line. You know, A couple um, opposing offensive drives start on, on your own field. And then all of a sudden you're chasing points and this team is not built to come back for maybe deficits they have in playoff pass. So it needs to be an efficient game. It needs to happen from the beginning whistle forward. And again, if you don't make mistakes and, and you don't take penalties, we've seen that the Chiefs can win football games. And uh, I, I've said this on, on a couple shows on, on 610. I think this is a grand chance for the AFC because I think this offense will get fixed in the offseason. Mm-hmm. We've seen Brett Beach correct and overcorrect in years past. And so this is the opportunity. I know the, the Chiefs have a tough defense, um, but this is as vulnerable uh, as they've been in a while and probably as vulnerable as they're going to be for a while. And so 
We'll see. I mean, this is going to be maddening if the Chiefs find a way to do it this year. Oh, I mean, everybody already hates the Chiefs because they've been winning. <laughs> this is how it works in sports. It's nothing unique to Kansas City. You start winning and people won't like you. But boy, oh boy, yeah, if Patrick Mahomes in his first road game in a year where their their offense hasn't been as good and they just so happen to have the best defense of his career, maybe the best defense in football, and if they're able to go on the road and beat Josh Allen, I mean, the, the reaction is going to be epic. And I, I so much, I, I so look forward to that hopefully happening on Sunday night. The, the other thing, though, is we know these teams played earlier this year, Pete, as they seemingly play multiple times every single season with the both winning their division all the time and then facing in the playoffs, drew tranquil, Nick Bolton, Isaiah Pacheco. They weren't playing right in that earlier matchup and that three point loss in particular. I think drew tranquil was the, the biggest loss in that game. Now that we know what he obviously has meant to this defense and also knowing Josh Allen, much like Mahomes, come playoff time, man, he's going to take off and run and he doesn't care if he's going to put his body in harm's way. Yeah, take your pick of those three. I mean, they're they're all important. Um, you know, I think getting Nick Bolton's back is huge. He seemed to have really turned it on in in the playoff game. Drew Tranquil can do so much. Uh, the Chiefs use him in a lot of different ways, and their their linebacker depth has been very very impressive this year. My argument would be for Isaiah Pacheco. Not to say that there's a wrong answer in that trio. I just think that he brings an aspect to the offense that strikes fear into the opposition. Uh, I think you can say that about Kelsey. I think you're starting to say that about Rice, right, uh, with what he was able to do last game. Um, but you have this trio that you pair with Mahomes, uh, the Rice-Kelsey-Pacheco uh, effect. And uh, I think, especially on the road, uh, Isaiah Pacheco is going to be your guy who sets the tone. You know, you know, just because we're in your building doesn't mean you're going to push us around. And I think having him uh, will provide um, such an advantage. And you talk about that game. It came down to that, that offsides penalty that really ticked off Andy oh, Reid yeah. and Patrick Mahomes. And so – uh, to coin flip, I mean, I, I kind of feel like this game, in a lot of ways, to me, if I'm being fair about it, it is a pick 'em. And so, it's for me, it's why not the Chiefs play your efficient football game, give yourself the best chance, and I think they got just as good a chance as Buffalo to win this one. I'm with you. As we're talking with Pete Sweeney, our Chiefs insider from Arrowhead Pride, here during the Chiefs Red Half Hour, and then let's be honest, I mean, we'll find out more as the week goes on. But the Bills are banged up. Uh, you know, they, they got a couple more guys hurt uh, against Pittsburgh. They still have some injuries in that secondary, even if it seems like Rasul Douglas could be back. Yeah. I mean, where, where do the Chiefs stand? I know we haven't heard from Andy Reid since the, the, the win uh, against Miami. It's been a little bit. But the Chiefs health-wise seem like they're in decent spot heading into this game. Yeah, I think I think they are. I mean, you're looking at a couple injuries. Um, you know, even if Wanya Morris were to get out of the cushion protocol, I'm not necessarily thinking he goes right back in. We've seen Andy Reid... Uh, stick with the offensive line in, in the playoffs in the past, even when players um, got healthy midway. Um, but he just kind of seems to ride the, the hot offensive line, if you will. And so uh, we're monitoring Monier Morris, but I think that might be for more of a, a depth position. We'll see if Sky Moore can get back in the mix. Kadarius Toney and Justin Ross, they would be complementary pieces. It uh, doesn't hurt to have them back in the lineup. But there's really, um, at least right now, no core players that you're missing. I mean, we, we established uh, Brian Cook won't be back this playoffs. And so um, your defense is what it is. Um, but the Chiefs are, I think, skewing a little bit healthier than the Bills for sure. Uh, and I think that that plays into um, the Chiefs' hands. Bernard went down uh, for the Bills in this last game yesterday, and, and he has been a pretty good play for, player for them down the stretch. I think the middle of the defense, uh, much like uh, with Miami, is going to be susceptible to being attacked. And I, I think that's where Kelsey comes in. That's where Pacheco comes in. If you watch this last game, uh, Rasheed Rice became the drag king of sorts, just taking these um, quick drags across the middle and taking them down the field, um, really building up that yak. And so I, I think the Chiefs are built to test that middle. And then 
Maybe when the Buffalo Bills give that extra attention, that's when you see them uh, take a deep shot with Rasheed Rice. Maybe that's where you see them feature Marquez Valdez-Scantling or McCole Hardman down the field, Justin Watson, that type of thing. And so I do like the, the way that the injury situation is swaying. I do think that there's a slight advantage for Kansas to be there. I texted you yesterday uh, because I had a question about a tweet that, that we all saw, and I, I thought it was a fake tweet. I thought it was a fake Twitter account initially, and it was Willie Gay Jr., but I guess maybe he just has a new account, and there was something he tweeted out that I was surprised to see at this point of the season, as in it's the middle of the playoffs. He tweeted out, for those that don't know, it looks it's looking like I probably played my last game at Arrowhead. Damn, I'm going to miss that place. Nothing like it. Let's go get this ring to end it the right way. I was like making sure, and you told me that, yeah, that, that's his Twitter account. What did you make of that tweet? Because I think we probably all thought before the season started that if they're going to keep a, a linebacker around long-term, it probably would be Nick Bolton. But to see a player kind of tweet that mid-postseason is a bit different. Yeah, uh, and thank you, Elon, because none of us know who anyone is anymore. Um, I'm like, I'll be with you. I, I'm with. You. I'll, I'll tell you. I, I'm, you know, about seventy-five, eighty percent sure that's Willie Gay, but like, I'm, I'm still not a hundred. Regardless, um, yeah, what he's alluding to or potentially alluding to, um, you know, if it is him, <laughs> is that uh, I, I, I don't think the Chiefs can keep everybody. I mean, they, you know, they. They've really identified the players I think that they want to lean into in the long term. And, you know, from what we have kind of understood, it's Legereus Sneed, it's Nick Bolton, it's the interior of that offensive line, making sure that Patrick Mahomes is protected for years to come. And as good as Willie Gay uh, has been at times, you got to make tough decisions. I mean, the Chiefs right now, I think, are uh, most apt to be compared to the Patriots as they were starting to try to build this year-after-year thing because um, they've been the only thing close. And – uh, if you remember, you know, when Bill was still good at this, he would cut players. And sometimes you'd raise your eyebrows and be like, wait a minute, they're cutting him. And then most times uh, that player would peter off. You know, this is talking about old Bill in like the 2000s when it felt like he um, had a pulse of this. Uh, other times, you know, uh, there was the rarity where the player would do well uh, somewhere else. And you, you wish that uh, as you could say goodbye to some of the fan favorites. But uh, I think the writing happens to be on the wall for Willie Gay. I think he understands this. I think the same thing about Chris Jones, who's a, a much yeah. you know much more integral piece uh, of the team than you would uh, argue Willie Gay Jr. is, and they realize this could be the the last dance. And rather than you know get down on themselves or or kind of mail it in, they're saying like let's end this with a bang, which is what you want to see from these types of players. Uh, and and then you know as they move on, because this is a cap league, not baseball, you have to you know say goodbye to certain players. You hope they go to the NFC and then they can have as good a careers as possible. Uh, but sometimes you end up seeing these guys on other teams and it's tough. So uh, what I'd say is enjoy some of these players. I mean, no team uh, is the same year to year. And I, I think there will be some players who I would consider fan favorites that won't be with the club next year. Yeah. And uh, Willie Gay Jr. certainly falls into that category, I think, for a lot of people. And, and you know, someone earlier in the show on the text line said, oh, maybe that tweet, that's a that's a distraction, but I, I disagree. I kind of with you where it's like, if anything, it's like a rallying cry, right? I mean, it's right. like, Hey, go, what, Hey, this is my last go boys. Like, let's, let, let, let's go win this thing. That's kind of how I took it uh, with the tweet. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, you know, that that's, that's reality. I, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of players feeling that right now. Like I look at Marquez Valdez Scantling. Uh, I know yeah. that people are very excited to maybe see him move on, but he did have a great AFC title game last year. He did. Um, there were games where, you know, he stepped up um, not to say that, it was necessarily worth his salary, whatever you want, you want to say. Fair arguments on either side, but he's another one that, like, I think right now is understanding that these are the final games of his Chiefs career. And that's a that's a sad thing about the NFL a little bit. You know, you, you say goodbye to certain players year to year. Um, you know, you grow to really like these guys, and then 
uh, you know, think about Tyron Matthew. Uh, I mean, he was uh, one of the kings of Kansas City, and then suddenly now he's uh, with the New Orleans Saints. Just part of the game, part of the business. Uh, a lot of it is no hard feelings, but the teams are, are tasked with making these tough business decisions. And, you know, to the Veach uh, era, the Veach regime here, I mean, they've been pretty good about making those calls. I think there are a handful. Um, you know, Trevarius Ward comes to mind that maybe you wish you, you would have had back, but largely they, they seem to have a, a, a right uh, pulse, a, a right finger on, all right, it's time to move on and, and let's spend our money elsewhere. And that's why you've seen the Chiefs every year Patrick Mahomes being in the final four. Like, <laughs> let's remember that no matter Jeez. how this season turns yeah. out. Like, the Chiefs have been in the, the conference title game every year of Patrick Mahomes' career, and that you wouldn't be able to do that if you weren't making the right calls. Yeah, and then you look at Philadelphia last night, a team that was in the right. Super Bowl, and there's, they've been free-falling for the last two months. And who knows what they're going to do with Nick Sirianni. We saw, they get a player stepping away, maybe, or leaving. It sure looks like all signs point now to Jason Kelsey retiring. And I want to ask you this question in relation to that, because Jason Kelsey is still playing at a very high level, but it looks like he's going to call it quits. If Travis Kelsey last week didn't get asked about retiring and didn't kind of put that to rest for at least for the time being, would you be nervous seeing that now Jason Kelsey is retiring? Like, would that make you really wonder about Travis also joining him? Whereas now I'm that doesn't have any bearing to me anymore based on what I heard last week. Yeah. I think uh, had uh, Travis not been at the podium and cleared it up in, in a way, um, I think there would be some concern just because of his quote with the wall street journal, how he'd been thinking about it. Uh, you know, kind of getting to know these guys more from their podcasts and certainly being around Travis for so long. I know that a lot of people were pointing, well, the brothers want to go in the Hall of Fame together. I actually don't think Travis would maybe want to seal any adjacent thunder. And okay. I don't, I don't know if Jason would maybe want to, you know, take anything away from Travis. I, you know, I, I could see them wanting to go in different years for more so to to make sure the the opposing brother got you know his attention. And uh, I don't know, I. I got the sense that Travis wants to go for a long while. And my question that I, you know, I had maybe mid-year when we saw the Wall Street Journal thing is like, well, maybe he doesn't want to get to the point where he's a, a tight end too. And now suddenly I'm thinking, well, you know, he is within a stone's throw of Tony. I mean, I know it's going to be difficult. I know he's going to be 35, 36. Um, you know, when you look at the career yardage, I believe it's like 24, 2800, uh, something like that. And if he's willing to be a number two at the end of his career, you know, if he's within – 1,000, so to speak, um, I think he can get there. Um, you know, that, that record that seemed impossible to ever, ever beat uh, the, the Tony Gonzalez tight end career yardage record. It would, it would take Travis being healthy. You know, that, that would be a key, and it would also take the desire. But the way that you heard him talk uh, last week, it, it didn't seem like, well, I'm putting it to rest for this year. It, it seemed like he wants to continue to go for a couple of years here. And Tony went to his late 30s, and so – you never know uh, what could happen here, but I'm with you. I think there was some nervousness because we had never heard him talk like that in any manner, and it seemed like he is good to go and willing to go uh, as of last week's comments for sure. We're talking to Pete Sweeney. Just a couple more minutes here. Our Chiefs insider from Arrowhead Pride during Chiefs' red half hour. I, I was talking about this earlier with Drew, and anytime we mention any players being drafted or we were talking about George Karloftis, naturally we get a couple texts about Felix and Udike Uzama and, and him being drafted first. We know – he hasn't really played at all this particular season. And I have said, I'm not telling you that I know he's going to be great or anything like that. I have no idea. He might end up being a bust. My whole thing has been, you can't have people already saying that, you know, he stinks when we haven't even played him. Would I have preferred a first round pick to, to play the season? Of, of course, but also on a team that's in win now mode, Pete, 
you got a bunch of players that like Karloftis that are playing at a high level. This is the best defense in football, not the 21st, not the 25th to where then it would be way more problematic if he wasn't playing. Where do you stand on the pick and next training camp, right? That's when we can start really keying in on what his future is. Yeah. Uh, All right. This is going to teeter along hot take and I'm sure it's going to tick some people off. Um, (laughs) I think this fan base has an unnecessary obsession with the first round. I really do. I mean, I just see it too much. Um, because if you really talk to the um, draft evaluators and personnel staffs in the NFL and like the board, so to speak, uh, every NFL GM uh, is always asked, okay, you know, give, give players a first round grade. You know, who would you want to take in the first round? It's never 32. It's never even close to 32. It's probably more so in the, the realm of like 19 to 25, that type of thing, mm-hmm. even shorter than that. If, as GMs get picky, the chiefs pick 25 to 32 every year. And so like, they take Felix and Aduke Izama. There were reports that they wanted to trade um, up for that pick and maybe not even ever take Felix. Uh, couldn't get a partner to get a wide receiver in the early 20s. So that's understandable. And then there were reports, and you know, from what I've heard, this is all true. They were trying to trade back, and they would have preferred to take Felix in the second round. And then all of a sudden, it, it kind of changes the whole narrative of this thing. Uh, Felix probably is a second-round pick. The Chiefs just didn't want to lose him, trade back too far, and maybe not get a player that they liked. So they ended up taking him in the first round. They couldn't have a partner to trade up, couldn't have a partner to trade back. They probably had a second or third round grade on him, but it was a player at a position of need. Probably more of a project than like a George Karloftis, um, so to speak. And and then because they were taken in the same range, uh, they get compared directly, and they shouldn't be. Um, And so uh, a long way to say I apologize for ticking some of you off. I know that did. Um, But when you're picking – uh, where the Chiefs are, your options are very, very limited. And it's not Madden where it's like, well, um, you know, team in the 20s said no to that. Let's offer up another piece until they accept. That's not how, like, this works in the NFL. And so I think Felix gets um, unfairly judged. I think he probably is more of a project. Uh, still uh, has the raw traits to be taken that high. Probably more of a second-round pick, mid-second round, that type of thing. Um, but the Chiefs go uh, and, and, and get a player. And I think he should be more judged based upon 2024 training camp, what he can do. He's going to have to play well because uh, next year, if you are losing Chris Jones, uh, you're going to have to have more defensive line and step up. But I just think, like even in the Clyde situation, we're just so obsessed. Well, Clyde was a first-rounder. Well, if he was taking a pick later, he would have been a second-rounder, and maybe we wouldn't have all of these uh, feelings about him that we do. And so that's always how I kind of, kind of felt about um, the draft standing and first-rounders and whatnot. Yeah, it came to be because we were, we were talking about Carl Loftus, and, of course, he, he had the nice increase in sacks, to say the least. He's up to 10.5 sacks this season. And I think the the question for him will be, let's say Chris Jones is not here next year. All right. Is he that same player? Is he better? Is he worse? Like, cause if all of a sudden Karloftis turns into a 11 plus sack guy next year without Chris Jones, then, then he's the guy you're going to be paying big time money to. If he dips down and is back to a six sack guy, then I think it proves that he's going to be a very nice player in the league, but he's not going to be a superstar next year to me is just the swing of is Karloftis just going to be a really nice player for a long time. Or could this guy be a superstar? And to me, we're that next year could decide that because you got to feel great yeah. about where Karloftis is trending. He's got to be that dude next year. Cause I think they're going to rebuild. Uh, the interior of the defensive line, if Chris Jones does move on, I, again, which the signs kind of are pushing that way. And so the na- main threat is going to be Karloftis. And, you know, the Karloftis is going to be opening up single um, attention to maybe the interior where some guys maybe that are lesser than of Chris Jones can get home, that type of thing, or the other side uh, of um, the line. We'll see how it all plays out. Uh, but I've liked Karloftis' development. Um, he seems to never be satisfied. Like, I only think that he stands to get better, which is crazy to say with the year uh, that he has had. But 
he works really hard. And if you you know you really have discussions with him, we get a little bit more time with some of these guys in training camp. You can just see that like his number one hobby is just football. This team is very good at identifying makeup um, and you know wherewithal, and especially in, in the NFL draft. And, uh, this is the type of guy that I, I think you'd want to sign up and lock up for years to come. But you're right. I think next year when he maybe is getting a little bit of that additional tension is going to be huge. Can your production stay around the tens and sacks? Can you lead the team in pressures even as you're getting more attention? And you'll have to boast the line just because you're saying about it. Chris Jones doesn't mean you can't um, bring some guys in. And so uh, we'll see. I, I, I love uh, where he's at right now, but there is a, a big measuring stick that will uh, come next year if Jones is not on the roster. Uh, I guess on Friday, when you join us, we'll have a chance to talk more specifically Chiefs, Bills, and all that. But I am curious, real quick, I'm asking everybody, just with all the coaching mess that's going on in the NFL, and who knows if Nick Sirianni also is in trouble now, but where does Belichick end up? The report is he interviewed with the Falcons, or maybe he interviewed the Falcons himself uh, last night. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good question. I like the Falcons. A, we know he interviewed with them. And B, I think um, Mr. Blank, I believe it is, would be willing to give him right. the full keys. I think that's going to be something that is um, a major uh, selling point of getting Bill to be, want your team. Uh, and I can't see that necessarily in Dallas. I cannot see that in Philadelphia. Uh, Atlanta, I could see it. And so of the candidates that are out there, uh, are, you know, what, what is it in um, the, the Los Angeles owners with the Chargers? Are they willing to let Bill sort of be the pseudo GM and head coach? I don't think that's going to change with him like it did Andy Reid in the second stop. Mm-hmm. And so um, to me, Atlanta is more likely than those teams. Uh, I don't know specifically, but whatever it is, uh, Bill is going to have full control of everything. I mean, he's going to be the king of the organization. So whichever owner wants to do that. Pete Sweeney, our Chiefs insider from Arrowhead Pride. Appreciate it, man. We'll check in on Friday again. All right, Al. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade used with permission.